Abba, I belong to you. Oh, everybody, you just ought to lift your hands up wherever you are and just tell him I belong to you. Glory, come on, just, just worship him where you are. Worship him where you are. I belong to you. I belong to you. My life is not my own. I belong to you. Abba, Abba, Abba. Father, Father, I belong to you. I'm your child. I'm your child. Thank you, Lord. Bless your name. Bless your name. You're a real God. You're a mighty God. You're an everlasting God. You are the Prince of Peace. You're the great I Am. We belong to you. We belong to you. Hallelujah. We love you. We worship you. We adore you. Hallelujah. Oh, move by your spirit. Speak in this place. Speak in our homes. We belong to you. We belong to you. Our children belong to you. Our siblings belong to you. Our, our loved ones belong to you. We, we belong to you. We belong to you. Go ahead and play that. Play that. Minister to us. take a moment this morning. I just praise God for this worship experience that we are having read in your hearing already has been the passage of scripture in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and most of you are very well familiar with it. 
this wonderful word of the Lord. It says, when I shut up the heavens, verse 13, he says, and there's no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people. If my people will call by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Stop right there. Thank you very much. I want to talk for the next few moments from this theme, do the right thing. Do the right thing. We, we, we are entering into a new series now. Do the right thing. It's important that you realize that, that there is some thought behind this experience that this man of God has. He has an experience because he has thought about what has happened in the life of Israel and so when he was dedicating the temple before God, he put in time to offer prayers and sacrifices in abundance. It was an exorbitant sacrifice. It was overflowing. It was more than enough. It did not require that kind of sacrifice. He was sacrificing any and everything. It was, it was so much of a sacrifice that one commentator described it as a holocaust of sacrifice. There were so many animals that were sacrificed on that day because what he wanted was that God would see the temple that he had built as a place that was holy as a place that was different, set aside for the move of God, set aside for God to move on behalf of God's own people, set aside for God to do something exceedingly and abundantly above anything they could ask or think, set aside that they could see the mercy of God active in their lives, set aside so that when they came to God seeking forgiveness, that God would not only recognize who they were, but God would do something about their situation. He wanted God to dedicate that place, that spot, that place to be holy. And he was there because he had something in mind. He realized something that you and I ought to know. He realized that the people needed to know that the God they served would always be present no matter what they went through. Yes. The building was symbol of what God's presence was with them. The building would be a consistent reminder that God was with them, but it was not just the building, it was the, the image that it would create in their minds so that they would never forget that God was on their side, that God was their ally and not their enemy, and that any enemy that came against them were coming against God because God was on their side. He, he prayed in front of them and blessed them in his prayer as he offered unto God all of the 
issues that he thought could come up, all of the things that he thought could happen, that God, when we pray in this place, that you will do something. God, when famine hits, and if we pray in this place, you will bring food. God, if the plague comes, when the plague comes, when the plague comes, God, when the plague, when disease strikes us, if we were to pray in this place, you would hear us. And he begins to lay out his case before God in chapter 6 he lays it out he starts telling God God I want you to do this from there I want you to work a miracle I want you to be present I want something to happen now we know that later Jews understood that it was not only the place but the presence of God and that they would even pray and wherever they prayed they figured God was going to hear them and sometimes they pray facing toward the temple knowing God would hear him even the remnant of the temple that's left now called the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem, they still go to pray facing the temple knowing God will hear them. I need someone to get this. What they needed to realize is that God hears prayer. They needed to understand that God would come through for them and that they were not by themselves. He was trying to build up a psychological barrier against the attack of the enemy on the minds of the people that would cause them to give up on God and go roaming around looking for something else. And he was saying to them, I need you to understand. Uh, the God we serve is greater than anything we can go through. And so he puts it before God. He puts it before God. He lays it out before God. He lays it out before God. And as if God had not only heard him, he stood up in the place of the priest, not in front of the altar, but to the side and blessed the people in the name of God because he knew God was going to work. He had confidence in the power of almighty God. He had confidence that God was the God that was real. But he understood something. He understood that the people of Israel were not as faithful to God as God was to him. They were not as faithful to God as God was to them. They were not as faithful to God as God was to them. It wasn't always an even exchange, so it didn't matter how many times God blessed them. They would have these little fits where they'd go off in la-la land and act a fool. You got to get this today. And so he wanted to go before God to speak it. And God came back to talk to him. Stay with me for a moment. I got to work with you here. What was he worried about? What was he uh, upset about? What was he concerned about? He was upset and he knew that you can mishandle a crisis and turn bad into worse. Let me preach this thing today. You can mishandle a crisis and turn bad into worse. And he was worried that they might mishandle the crisis of their life. They might mishandle the critical moments when their faith was being challenged. They might mishandle the critical times when life came upon them in abundance. And they might turn away from God and turn to other things. So he was 
praying in advance before they got to that moment that they would recognize that the God they served would always be with them so they would never mishandle a crisis. Stay with me today. You've got to recognize this situation we're in right now, this pandemic we're in now, the pandemic within the pandemic of racism, the pandemic within the pandemic of that, of this messed up healthcare system that has placed at the bottom those at the socioeconomic scale who have got poor health insurance and cannot be treated properly. This pandemic within a pandemic within a pandemic which is caused by the systemic racism in the world, this pandemic within a pandemic within a pandemic that has come against black and brown people in numbers that are far greater than we are in proportion to the society as a whole. This situation is one that would cause some people to lose their faith, to turn away from God, to say that God is not real, that God doesn't love us, that God doesn't care about us. And I think, good God Almighty, I believe that he recognized that when people get their back against the wall and they feel like nobody hears them and nobody sees them and nobody understands what they're going through, they go searching, looking for something or someone to fill the void that they feel in their lives. He said, you can mishandle a crisis. He says, you've got to understand. Let me, let me see if I can work with you right here. He says, you can get to the place where you can't even handle a little bit of critique. So you can mishandle a critique and turn it into worry. So that someone says anything to you that you don't like, all of a sudden their critique becomes your worry. All night and all day, you worrying about this, you worrying about that, you worrying, you worrying, you worrying. Because you can't... Let me help you here. He said, I need you to recognize that when crisis comes, when things are out of order, there's a way to handle your crisis. That's why I call this sermon series, Do the Right Thing. There's a way to handle the crisis in your life. There's a way to deal with what you're going through. Let me help you here. God understands that worried, weary people and warm people react differently in stressful situations. Therefore, he provided a blueprint to deliverance. God understands. Worried, weary, and worn people react differently in stressful situations. Therefore, he provided a blueprint. I, I need to give you a plan of how to handle this. I understand you, some of you are going to lose your mind. I understand some of y'all are going to think you got to give up. You're going to throw in the towel. I don't want you to throw in the towel. That's not what we do here. We don't give up. We don't, we don't surrender. We don't retreat. No, no. I need you to recognize that the God you serve is still God. The God you serve still loves you. The God you serve still hears and oh, bless his holy name. The God you serve is still with you. Let me tell you something. Let me give you a couple of, of, of illustrations as I preach this word. What, what happens to people when they get in crisis? And I'm going to give you two things not to do. And then I'm going to give you the thing you ought to do, which I've already been talking about. The first thing you don't want to do, some people enter this. They enter into religious reach religious reach they go after foreign gods 
they, they go after religious reach. They, they start looking for a faith and a religion. They go after something else. I need something different. I need something stronger. I need something. I need. I, I don't know. I, I don't know about Mama's church anymore. I don't know about, about the church I was raised in. I don't know about, about the religion or the faith. I mean, no, no, no. I need something different. There, let me tell you something. There, there's a history. And, and I do believe that he recognized that, that, that Solomon understood clearly that there's a history of religious reach in Israel. When things went wrong, they had times where they searched for answers in other gods. Let me preach this thing like I feel it. I feel it in, in this place. Exodus chapter 32. In Exodus 32, they, they, they've crossed over. They've been blessed. They're there at the, at the base of Mount Sinai. God is speaking to Moses, giving him the commandments. God is sharing his word and will with Moses. He's up there getting the tablets from heaven. And they're down in the valley. And what are they doing? They start talking about Exodus 32. If you read it in there, they get together and they believe that the man Moses is not even going to be around. So they tell, they go to Aaron and say, we need a God that we can see. Matter of fact, because the God we have, we've been chasing after, we can't see. We need us a, a viewable God. And Aaron, in his foolishness, says, break off your earrings. Get your gold from your sons and your daughters. And then he says, look, verse 3 says, so all the people woke with golden earrings took them out, brought them to Aaron, and then verse 4 says he received them and he made a molden calf. And then they said, this is your God, O Israel, that brought you out the land of Egypt. I'll be a monkey's uncle. You, you've been, in, you've been in, in, in slavery. You've been, been pushed down. You've been dis nearly destroyed by your enemy and God has allowed you to survive all that you went through. You have had a hard time and now just because you don't have an immediate answer, you want to give up on God. You want to turn your back on God because you don't have a quick solution because the prophet, in this case, Moses, is still up on the mountaintop. You don't know what you're going to do. Oh, wait a minute. You, the, the devil is a liar. Let me tell you something. It is easy for people to get stuck and believing that they need a new religion. And now folks talking about I'm spiritual, I'm not religious, or I'm, I'm not, I'm not, let me help you here. You need to recognize that you need a God that will be with you through thick and thin. Oh, bless his holy name. You need a God that will love you anytime. You need a God that will bless you anytime. You need a God that will hold you and undergird you in the midst of your struggle. And here they are. The first thing they did was go for religious reach. Start reaching after other gods. Let me help somebody now. Don't go dibbling and dabbling in other folk religion. Don't go trying to find a new word. Don't go trying to find a new God. The God you serve is the same God. 
The God you serve is the same God that brought us out of slavery. The God you serve is the same God that brought us through reconstruction and post-reconstruction. The God you serve is the same God that brought us through the Jim Crow era. The God you serve is the same God that brought us through civil rights movement. The God you serve is the same God that allowed us to be emancipated and free. And even in this movement right now of Black Lives Matter, the God you serve is yet moving on your behalf and he is yet able. Oh, ah, you've got to know that you've got to hold on to your faith in this season. There's no reason to turn your back on God. I, you know, we sing that song, I can depend on God. There's a, oh my God, we just get happy because they go, and they get real going, yeah, that's it, right? Give me my, yeah, that, that's the beat right there. That's the beat right there. You don't know about that, girl. to know you can depend on God. Ah, I got it, I got it, I got it. I, I feel it, I feel it, I feel it. Let, let, me, let, me, let me hurry up. I only have a few more minutes. I got to get done with this thing. But the, but the first thing is that, that, that they went for religious reach and he recognized that they had a tendency to do that. And, and, and it, it's a, a pity and a shame that later on he'd be the one leading them, messing around with foreign folk. Into foreign, come on back, I gotta, I'm going to finish preaching this text. The second thing, the second issue that they had was they would go into rebellion. And that was frustration with God and his leaders. And so when he talked re rebellion, rebellion, and, and some folk got to realize that the spirit of rebellion ain't gone. They, they, got, they would get so frustrated with God that they'd be into the rebellion. Let, let me help you something. Some folk will miss their blessing because of a rebellious spirit. Sometime go back, read Deuteronomy chapter 1. When you get to Deuteronomy 1, you're going to read in Deuteronomy 1 as the children of Israel had an opportunity to go into the promised land. They send out spies to go in the promised land. They're ready to enter into the promised land. The spies come back, bring a great report. All good, we can move on. There's a blessing to be had. But the Bible says, verse 26, they nevertheless, they would not go up. Verse 26 says, but they rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. And they complained in your tents and said, because the Lord hates us, he has brought us out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. Wait a minute. God wants to open up doors and make blessings and make ways. And here we are. The first time they get to a situation, they send spies. They know God's going to make a way. They know it's all good. And yet, they don't want to go up because they realize it's going to be rough. And so they enter into a spirit of rebellion. Let me help somebody here. If you want your life to be perfectly easy, I need to help you now to, uh, to assuage you, to, 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 to adjure you, to, to speak to you, to lovingly tell you, you out your mind. 
Life's not easy. What you want, you're going to have to go and get it. You're going to have to believe God for it. And sometimes even the blessing you want, you may have to wrestle with the angel all night long and then walk with a limp afterwards to get what you want. But if you really want it, you've got to go for it and you've got to believe that God will go with you as you go for it. Don't look for everything to be easy. What you look for God to do is to make a way and know that he can do it. Well, let me help you here. They end up with the spirit of rebellion. What do you do? We ain't going nowhere. That, 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 you think I'm kidding? The spirit of rebellion, I said against God and God's leaders. If I go to 1 Samuel chapter 30, Solomon's father had the same experience. When they, when they come back, after they invaded Ziklag, they attacked Ziklag, and they found out that, that what happened was that they lost a whole lot. Their women and children were gone. They had been carried away captive. And they looked at David, looked at, at the people, and the people looked at David, and, and, and because calamity had happened, they looked at David and wanted to stone him. And David became greatly distressed. Verse 6 says this, 1 Samuel 30, you can read it 1 through 6, but verse 6 says, Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened, the word we use in use of the King James Version is encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Let me preach this one more time. When people enter into crisis, it is easy for them to get to the spirit of rebellion against God and leaders. But you've got to understand something. God is greater than any of this other stuff. I hear you, Archbishop. God is greater than any other person. God is greater than anything you can go through, any crisis you can go through. And what you've got to learn how to do is you've got to get to the place where you will allow the God that you serve to help you do the right thing. Come on back. I'm going to close it out right here. Y'all can see where I'm going. I'll be here for the next couple weeks. I got some stuff to say about how the right thing gets done and what the right thing really is. Because the right thing is not just one thing. It's a several things and several steps. And I'm going to offer them to you over the next few weeks. Watch me preach this thing one time. Go back to the text. He says, he says I'm going to tell you what the right thing is. He says, I don't want you to do any religious reach after any other God. And I don't want you to get caught up in a spirit of rebellion. Solomon has prayed and got God to do something special. I need God to work this thing out. God, I need you to do something that no one else could do. I want you to bless in a way that nobody else can see it. But God, I need you to work this out. And so what God gives him a plan is a plan of righteousness. And the plan of righteousness is to turn to God in prayer. Turn toward God in prayer. Let me help you here. He says, I need you to function in righteousness. Turn toward God in prayer. Preach was. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their, wait a minute, stop, hold up, wait a minute, put a pause up in it. Reverend, I thought you said God said this, and he did. 
In chapter 6, Solomon prays about it. He asked God for this blessing to be in the place. But here in chapter 7, the passage we always like to quote is really a passage that comes up out of a dream that Solomon had. So in the middle of the night, after he has gone before the Lord, he has prayed all he could pray. He has praised him for what God would do. Smoke has filled the temple, but it wasn't in the smoke, and it wasn't in the praise. It wasn't in all of the bullocks or the lambs that went forward, but it was after everybody had went back to their own domicile and place of rest that God came in that night and began to speak a prophetic word into his spirit and God spoke back to him the words that he had spoke to God and then God said here's what I'm going to do in other words I've heard your cry and since I've heard your cry this is the righteous manner in which the people of God can walk in when stuff goes wrong and crisis hits when things are looking bad when it seems like there's nowhere to turn when it seems like life has turned its back on you when it seems like nobody knows what to do when it seems like the pandemic is going to take over your existence this is what I want you to do here's what I say in the midst of pestilence here's what I say in the midst of famine here's what I say in the midst of a down economy here's what I say if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways what I need to do is recognize that the prayers of the righteous availeth much I need somebody to touch and agree with me it's praying time it's praying time the Lord will work it out if we humble ourselves and believe God in prayer the righteous thing is a prayer thing get on your knees fall on your face cry to the Lord it's praying time oh God have your way oh do the right thing this is the word of God for the people of God Praise be to God. Amen. someone who's heard a word today who desires to be a part of the fellowship or desires to give their life to Christ I want to welcome you to the family of God I want you to give yourself to God you want to be a part of this ministry I don't care where you are in the world you can become a part of our family I want you to email me today drop me a line right away 
email me. Just say, say, Bishop, I want to be a part of that church. And we will get right back to you. And we will let you know how. I need you to leave that up on the screen. That was too quick, saints. Yes, yeah, right there. Church at Men at Shiloh, New London. I, we, we need to keep that there for a moment. Yeah, yeah somebody's writing that down right now. Somebody is, is giving their life to Christ. I believe that God wants you to give your life to the Lord and to know who he is. This is an opportunity. I love you, saints. I love you with the love of the Lord. I am excited. I came in this morning with a sense of excitement. There's joy in my spirit. Because prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. Prayer can shift Congress back into gear. Another stimulus package will come out and help those who are unemployed right now. Prayer changes things. Prayer moves God. And God moves on behalf of praying people. Let's call on him. Let's call on him like never before. Over the next few weeks, I'm going to make so many prayer opportunities because I want you to get in prayer with us, to join us in prayer. I love you with the love of the Lord. I'm going to invite you right now, if you will, to join us in giving. Maybe if you're a member of Shiloh, you know how to give. Our ways of giving are through Cash App, Dollar Sign, Shiloh NL, Givelify. And you can find us, Shiloh Baptist Church, New London, Connecticut, on Givelify. Or you can send it to us in the mail, P.O. Box 929, New London, Connecticut, or 1 Garvin Street, New London, Connecticut, and we'll receive your gifts. If you're being blessed by this ministry, then I want you to contribute. Sow a seed into the house. The tithe belongs to your home church. And if you don't have a home church, consider making Shiloh your home church. Yes, you can be a cyber member. You can be a member of our church. We, we welcome you into this family of faith. And we love you and we believe God for you. I don't know about you, but I've had a great time today. Wow, what a word, what a worship, what a worship. Here. Let me just tell you this. I'm so excited about Jesus. I'm excited because God is real.